My name is Sean. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Church, and thanks for being part of our services this weekend. We're starting a new mini-series. It's just three weeks long, talking about uh, spiritual warfare, uh, the battles that are happening around us that we are completely unaware of all the time. Um, if you've seen the movie Matrix, you might be able to get an idea or wrap your head around what I'm talking about. But in that movie with Keanu Reeves, who plays the character of Neo, humans have been lulled into sleep. They are living in a simulation. And the reality outside of that simulation was far more um, urgent would be one, dangerous would be another word to describe it. But most people weren't even aware of the battle that was happening. Humans had gone into a war against machines, um, artificial intelligence, and the humans had lost. And they had eventually become batteries uh, for these for these computers, for these living, thinking computers. And you had the opportunity to be woken up from that stupor, but in waking up from that stupor, you were then being engaged or drafted into the mission of rescuing all of humanity uh, from this false sense of security and this delusion that everything was fine uh, the way it was. And I'm thinking uh, that from a biblical perspective, there might be a little bit of truth behind all of that fiction. Uh, you and I wake up every day at different times. I'm sure some of you guys wake up before. My joke would be that you guys wake up before even God does, but I know theologically that's not accurate. I'm just saying some of you guys are up way early. Others of us are sleeping in uh, to like like 7.30. Some of you guys have been at work for two hours by, by that time, right? But you, you wake up, you have breakfast or coffee, you hop in your car, you get on the bus, you you go to school, you go to work, Um then you you take a lunch break, right? Then you go back to work, go back to school. Uh, you you come home, you eat dinner. Maybe you go out with some friends, or maybe you watch TV. You go to bed, and you wake up tomorrow. You do the whole the whole thing all over again, and and we do this for the next uh, I don't know what 10, 15 years until maybe we switch companies, or uh, maybe we fall in love, we get married, and then you throw in kids in there. So we the the overarching like story of our lives would be then that we we die, we go to school. We get out of school, we get married, we get a job, we buy a house, we save up for retirement, uh, we have kids, uh, we, we want to save up enough money for the retirement, get that gold watch at the end, uh, and, then, and then we die. And I'm thinking that the individual choices that we're making right now uh, may have consequences that are bigger than the moments in which we're making those, those choices. Maybe there's more at stake to the way we live our lives uh, than just whether or not you get a promotion. There's more at stake uh, than than what degree you get or how many followers you have on Instagram, what type of an influence you have in your career or in your in industry. What if there is something that is so important that it makes the the, man, even the length of our lives inconsequential to the consequences of the way in which we live those small lives. And that's what I want to talk about in our in our teaching uh, today. Um, I believe that the Bible is right when it says that we're creating the image of God. And God is both physical and spiritual. I've mentioned this at Grace Church before. Animals, purely physical. Uh, angels, purely spiritual. Uh, we're the only things in all of creation creating the image of God. We're both physical and spiritual. Um, I believe that Adam and Eve were 100% aware of their spiritual environment as well as their physical environment until they chose 
to sin against God, when they chose to disobey God and sin against each other. Uh, the Bible says that they died to their spiritual selves. Paul talks about this, says that we are born physically alive, but born spiritually dead. And when we turn from our disobedience towards God, our selfishness towards others to begin following the ways of Jesus, we are the Bible word for this, or the King James language in the Bible I used growing up, or maybe if you were raised in a Catholic church, it would say that we have been quickened. We've been made alive. And it's not that physically I'm alive. It's just like spiritually now I'm born. So we have a physical birth. Jesus talked about this being born again, right? Where you are, you're physically born, but you also need to be spiritually born. And when we become alive spiritually, we are aware of a completely different aspect or a whole new reality to the lives that we're living right now. But we're not fully aware of that because we still sin. We still live in a body that is stained with sin. So Paul says it's like we are looking uh, through a window that is stained or cloudy. My dad described this one time as like the, the mirror is foggy when you get out of the shower. Like you can see shapes, but you can't make out details. And Paul says that this is what it means when we become aware of the spiritual realities around us, the battles that are happening for the hearts and souls of people that determines the rest of their the rest of their forever. And, and that's what we're talking about. So when you turn from sin and begin following Jesus, you don't just become adopted into God's family. Something more is happening. You're actually switching sides in this spiritual battle. You're going from one team uh, to the to the other team. So what you believe about God matters. It determines the choices that you make in your sexuality, in your relationships, uh, in, in, in your marriage, uh, with your, your kids. Um, it, it expresses the way, it, it, it affects the way you live out every expression of any other thing that shapes the way, the way that you are. Uh, and so there's three things I'm hoping you're going to get from today's teaching that's going to affect the way you live out each one of those expressions. And the first one is this. Uh, I want you to recognize that there is a spiritual battle that's happening right now. First Timothy chapter one talks about this. Timothy, my son, this is Paul writing. He says, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Now, Paul's using this language that there is a battle that's right now being fought by God. And we are, we are a part of that, that battleground. Since mankind walked away from God, God has been on a rescue mission and there is a real enemy working against that mission. And then Paul says to Timothy that on the day you turn from sin and that word was spoken prophetically over your life, this word was given to you so that you would engage well in God's battle, in this in these spiritual battles, in in this war, is what he said. Not, it's not a war with physical violence necessarily, although I believe that Satan and his tactics does bring about physical violence. Um, it's 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 a war all, all the same. If you're a follower of Jesus, Second Corinthians chapter ten says, "We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do in the way that they wage war against each other. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments." So, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been brought into this battle, and I think most of us are just kind of what's the word uh, ambivalent. Um, we're not paying attention to it. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, uh, enemy-occupied territory. 
That is what the world is for those of us who are Christians. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king of the world has landed, you might say landed in disguise, and is calling all of us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. So the thing is that we're, we're born not neutral. The Bible would actually say that we're born onto the wrong team and are enemies of God from birth. And it's not that you have to hate God to be an enemy of God. It's just that you're born on the team that's working against God's agenda to bring all of creation back to himself. Now, God hasn't made you an enemy to himself. We have intentionally and unintentionally made ourselves enemies of God in the spiritual battle. And the apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Colossians. Chapter one, verse 19, he says, for God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ or as Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God, which is all of us before we became devoted followers of Jesus. And the next phrase says this, you were his enemies. Why was I the enemy of God? Because I had, according to the scriptures, separated myself from God by the sin that was in my heart, by my evil thoughts and by my actions. But now God has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So all of us are natural born enemies of God, working against God's kingdom agenda, God's plans, not just for the world, but for our lives individually by our thoughts and our actions, by the sin that is in our heart that affects the sin, the things that we do against God's commands and against our fellow man. Earlier in the same chapter, Paul says that there are two sides in this spiritual battle, and he's very clear about it in Colossians chapter one, we were just there, but in verses 13 and 14, he says this, for he, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, that's one side, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's the only two teams there is. There's either the kingdom of darkness or there's the kingdom of Jesus, of his dear son, Jesus, who purchased our freedom and gave us uh, who, and, and forgave us our sins. Now this kingdom, just like the kingdom of light then, so if there's a kingdom of darkness, there's a kingdom of light. The kingdom of light is the kingdom, according to the scripture, of God's dear son, Jesus, but the kingdom of darkness also has a leader. And Paul talks about him in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. A final word he says, be strong and in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of this other enemy, uh, the strategies of the devil, it says. And I think some of us right now are getting our spiritual butts handed to us simply because we're not even paying attention to the fact that there is a battle being fought right now between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God over you over me, and you can't win a war that you're not even fighting in. Which brings me to the second of the three things I want you to know from today's teaching. Number one is that there is right now a spiritual battle being fought for you and your family. And the second one is this, that you need to know your enemy. Second Timothy ta talks about fighting the good fight, Paul says. He says, I've, I've fought the good fight, which would imply then that there's a, a bad way to fight or that there is a bad fight or there is a wrong fight. And I think some of us forget who our enemy is. And this, 
this battle that's being fought between light and darkness, good and evil, isn't the Republicans versus the Democrats. It's not Antifa versus the Proud Boys. It, that's, that's, not, that's the wrong battle because the people are not the ones I'm trying to fight against. My wife is not my enemy. My neighbor is not my enemy. These are not the people I'm trying to fight. And, and I, I think sometimes we forget that because there are people that hurt us and what we do is we see this person as the source of the evil or the pain or the hurt that's in our lives, but we're forgetting that behind the thing that they did is the fact that there is a battle being fought over their heart. And whether or not the kingdom of God is being won in their heart or the kingdom of darkness is being won in their heart is affecting the choices that they're making. So in some kind of way, it's helpful to remember that the people who've hurt me in my life are not the enemy, they're pawns of the enemy. And it doesn't even mean that they are a willful contributor to the plan of Satan and the world to wreck my life. It's, it's nothing even that big. I think that when we are unintentional about the way that we live or when we are forgetful that we are playing a part in the war that God has engaged to bring the world back to himself, that we unintentionally are assisting the enemy in his plans to resist God's intentions for the world. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Your enemy isn't Biden or Trump. You see what I'm saying? Like your, your enemy isn't your boss. We don't fight as followers of Jesus. We don't fight against people. They aren't the enemy, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I want to read this verse again, because this verse, more clearly than any other verse, says who you are to be fighting against. And it's not your brother-in-law. <laughs> it's not your roommate. There's something bigger happening in the heart of your brother-in-law. There's something bigger happening in the heart of your roommate. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I need to say this again, man. Like your enemy is not the bully from 11th grade. That person is not your enemy. Like you have people that you naturally hate, right? Like that, that word, is that the right way to say that? There are people in our heart that we don't like. And the problem is that they become the focus of our attention. And we treat them as though they are the enemies. But biblically speaking, they're not the ones we're fighting against. They are the ones we are fighting for, right? Like the way I respond to the people that hurt me is not to pay them back for what they've done, but to win their hearts so that they switch from the team that is against me to the team who's led by the one who created me. And, and them. That's why it's so important that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that we love our enemies. That's why Martin Luther King said that the only way that you will win against hate is through love. Why? Because they aren't the problem. There's evil in the world that exists outside of the physical that is influencing the physical. And when I recognize that the people who are capable of the most evil in the world are those who do not have the Spirit of God in them. I recognize that their greatest problem isn't what they've done, it's whose they are. It's that they're enlisted in the wrong army. They're on the wrong team. 
And when I recognize that those people who are capable of the greatest evil in the world, if their hearts were to be transformed by the work of God and their life, they could have the greatest capacity for good on God's side. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 says that we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning, not people. The weapons that God gives his kids are not to be used against people. They're to be used for people. We don't use our words and our actions to knock down people. We use our words and our actions to knock down strongholds of human reasoning, to destroy false arguments, not to destroy reputations. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. What I'm supposed to be doing is in all of my interactions uh, that I have with every person around me, I'm looking for the motivation behind the action because if the action is evil, there's something that's happening in the heart of the person behind that action that can be changed if their heart was to be transformed. And that's the fight I'm supposed to be making. The truth is, according to the scriptures, Satan is roaring like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And that lion is proactively engaged in battle for my marriage. And if I sit passively in my marriage, I lose it. Because only one side is fighting. So obviously, if you get two boxers in a ring or two MMA fighters and they come at each other and one guy sits there passively with his hands to his side and the other guy is fully engaged in the battle, who's going to win? It's going to be the guy who's fully engaged in the battle. And that's why I think as many Christians has lost their marriages as those outside of the household of faith because we're just not fighting. We don't fight for our marriage. We don't fight for the heart of our kids. We just passively go along with the way everybody else does everything they're doing, and then we act surprised when we get everything they got. The lion is after my marriage. He's after my sexual purity. He's after my holiness. He's after my kids. He's after my neighbors. And bro, if I'm not willing to fight for them, who will? I want to speak to the Christian parents real quick, because we are losing a generation of kids raised in church, in Christian homes, because our parents have become distracted by travel sports, weekends at the beach, a science that denies the author of the structure and perfect order behind all of creation, and an identity that finds its center in our sexuality rather than our creator. Do you get what I'm saying? Every single choice you make in your marriage is either moving you and your spouse closer to God or farther from God. Every time, this isn't in my notes, but Garrett made the travel team as a fourth grader for Stoughton. And we were in tournaments and all the tournaments was on the weekend. And Garrett was good enough to start for the travel team. And of course, I'm going to say that I'm his dad, but he also, he made the high school basketball team at Stoughton High when other kids that were starting did not make the team. So I know Garrett had the talent to start for Stoughton travel team from fourth grade all the way up through 
eighth grade, but Garrett was never allowed to start because the coach knew Garrett was never going to be there on a Sunday morning for the basketball tournament. Now that was hard for him to sit on the bench when kids that were better than him would get more playing time. And there were some games that the coach knew that Garrett wasn't going to be here tomorrow morning. And so Garrett even got less time, even on the Saturday night game. And so we had several conversations about this early on, about why we couldn't just do a devotion at home, right? Like those were the conversations. Grace Church didn't have Saturday night services at the time. Part of the reason why we did Saturday night services was for families who had kids in travel sports, if I'm going to be honest. But what I knew is that I wanted the best for my kid. And wanting the best for my kid meant that my kid knew that God came before travel basketball. Because travel basketball wasn't going to save my son's soul from an eternity in hell. Jesus was. And I knew that while he lived at home, I could coerce him to going to church. But what I knew that long-term, if I wanted God to have his heart, he needed to see that God had mine. Sorry. We're losing our families because we prioritize more hours at work so that we can make more money using our family as the justification. And I don't know that your kids need more of your money as much as they need more of your example. And truthfully, your kid isn't going to play pro. And I would rather pay the full price of college tuition and my kid be a devoted follower of Jesus than my son get a basketball scholarship because he spent every single Saturday travel basketball. Basically, I would have sold my son's soul for a $100,000 college scholarship. Do you get what I'm saying? Like everything matters. Whether or not I turn off the TV, or we don't even have to turn it off anymore. We could just pause TV and pray with our kids before they go to bed. Whether or not I will humble myself as soon as I've noticed that I'm being selfish towards Billie Jane and ask for her forgiveness right away whether I seek reconciliation, whether I am willing to put the needs of other people in front of me. My, my enemy isn't my enemy. My, my enemy is a, a pawn, a tool being used by my enemy to distract me from what's most important, and that's winning the heart of my enemy, right? So there is a battle that is right now happening. And if you're not waging war, if you're not fighting against the enemy, you are losing. And my enemy isn't my wife. It's not the basketball coach. It's not my ex. It's not your ex. It's not your boss or your roommate. It's the prince of <laughs> darkness, if I can be dramatic, right? It's the kingdom of darkness. It's the we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual rulers of darkness in this world, those who are actively opposed in the spiritual realm against the kingdom of God for the hearts of people. Everyone is either in the will of God right now. You are either engaged in this or you are blinded to the will of God. I'm going to say that again. Everyone, you are either 
acting in line with the will of God or you are blinded to the will of God. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse two says this. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. I'm telling you the truth before God, he says, and all who are honest know this is true. That if the good news we preach, that I'm preaching right now, is hidden behind a veil, like you still don't understand what I'm saying. It is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, the captain of the enemy of God and all of those who bear his image, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And because they have been blinded to the will of God, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. This may surprise you, but if you are not a follower of Jesus, then you have actually become an enemy and are fighting against God himself. That, sound, that sounds dramatic, but listen to this verse in James chapter four. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Whew. Friendship with the world. <laughs> 